You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. She's like, I'm playing to the back row, motherfucker. And just, just and if you ever watch Nancy Wilson from Part, just play the acoustic guitar for. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the song, but she is just. <laughs> fuck that! Like I cannot <laughs> see somebody like, and it's just like, yeah, oh yeah, that's right, yeah, Dreamboat Annie's all powered by cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> She's powered by cocaine, and ladies and gentlemen, we are powered by Hard Mountain Dew. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Couch Potato. Hell yeah, brother. Three for Dale. That's right. I am Alex Morrison. And if you are tuning in, that means we are already a few sips into our hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast. We filmed a little video on that. We'll see how well that turns out. If it turned out okay, you'll see it in the episode description. If not, it'll be just sent to one specific person that wanted to see it anyway. But yeah, we are back at the table again. I got a couple random little news topics. And um, in case the video doesn't make it to air, uh, yeah, the final Mountain do hard seltzer Baja Blast. Um, it immediately gave me like Windex vibes, it was like the color and smell of everything. But honestly, not that bad uh, for me. I think I put it like a six point five seven out of ten. It, it was right underneath the watermelon. That one was it, still a little better to me. You know, it's got it's got a, it's got a main like a citrus taste. You know, it, it does look like Windex. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Or that industrial cleaner we used to use back in like in restaurants. But, uh, oh, the blue shit. Yeah, the blue shit. Remember, to strip a fuck, strip the steel. Uh, Man, why can't we get that? Why can't we get the purple stuff and all that for like at home cleaning? You can at Dollar Tree. Dollar well, Tree still sells purple stuff. Awesome. Like, well, yeah, awesome. But that's basically what it is: is industrial cleaner. Oh yeah. Uh, so the purple stuff is a. Uh, uh, because I know they sell an item called the purple stuff, but it's not like the actual yeah, so, shit you get. So it's watered down. So yeah. the concentrate stuff restaurants get is concentrate. So, but when you use purple stuff in restaurants, you water it down really heavily anyway. You're supposed you, to. Yeah, you just go, Bloop, and that's it. That's all you do. Like a, that's good for the whole floor. <laughs> but the purple stuff you buy at Dollar Tree, which you know back then it was a dollar, now it's like a dollar twenty-five. But like you get, you get. I used to work at a Dollar Tree. I never understood. You could get a spray bottle for a dollar. Or you could get a gallon for a dollar like, without the spray bottle. I'm like, why the fuck would I buy a spray bottle? <laughs> <laughs> the convenience, man. It's the same reason why you can buy a two liter of a you know a soda for you know a dollar twenty five, or you can go to the fucking uh, cold case and pick it up for two bucks. Yeah, <sighs> you're paying for that cooling convenience. That's freakonomics, man. Freakonomics. Yeah. <laughs> ah, no, but it's, it's nice to finally get back around the table again this week to discuss a few things. We didn't have that much news topics, but with it getting really close to September now, we've already kind of started getting in our spooky mood, or at least I have. Yeah. I've been starting to kind of get back in the horror mood, so our main topic's going to start kind of leaning toward our horror things. We've been putting all the horror ideas on the back burner, but now's the time to start cracking them open, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking of cracking them open, um, 
Right before the show, uh, usually this would be a something good for you topic, but with this being something that kind of strikes Chris kind of on both aspects of his music love. Uh, we double checked and Dolly Parton has been steadily releasing singles from her new rock star record yeah. coming out. Um, so far, Magic Man, Bygones, We're the Champions, and Let It Be have been all released, and we just now kind of skimmed those. Um, so yeah, Chris, what do you think of this? Because I know you have a deep love for like classic country, yeah. um, and this kind of classic rock yeah. has always been a part of your life, and now it just feels like the two worlds are getting mashed together. Well, you know, you know, they've all been doing that because, like, you know, you talk about uh, a good example, Kiss. You know, Kiss doing their own little separate albums. We talked about that earlier, and they all sound not kiss yeah know, but the they, solo album but you know they they're doing something they want to do i think people don't kind of misunderstand a lot of people when they talk about you know uh oh you know metallica only does thrash metal no motherfucker when they're separate by themselves some of them kind of like country music or someone like rap music you know people like what they like they just happen to fall into the groove of doing that one thing they're very good at yeah uh, dolly parton is a perfect example of that she you know she supported rock albums in the past you know she she was the first country artist to ever go pop like that's the fact she uh, jolene is a pop song not a country song so hearing her come out with a rock album you know it is covers which i'm fine with i think yeah i think they're supposed to be like a couple originals but mm-hmm. no it, it is heavily original uh, covers yeah, but you know um let it be by the beatles it sounds like a uplifting gospel song the way it's played on the album you know the, the single mm-hmm. uh there's not too much of a rock you know, not a lot of riffs in it yeah. until like the tail end. It sounded like, uh, but no, her and Paul and Ringo and all them, you know, really knocked it out with that one. You know, and to have the originals, you know, with them, it kind of really helps. You know, that, that, that makes it go a long way. So I can't wait for her to do fucking Hellbent for leather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we did. Bi- she's got bygones with fucking Rob Halford. You know, he's like, you know, that motherfucker is like that old old gay man is just like let's do hell bit for later real quick or grinder <laughs> we we will fuck you up your entire fan base let's do it but like dolly parton you know even with her own music is very liberal with what it what happens to it like if you ever ref- happenstance look into the story of dolly parton how she lost her entire catalog bought it back and you know really you know was the first artist to own their own thing mm-hmm. I mean, prince even took an example from this by changing his name so he could do his own thing be left left be uh but no it was pretty good the uh, bygone sounded really good you know it's a duet you're not you know country music's big with that you know rob halford coming from british steel and grinder and painkiller and stuff like that you're not going to hear that but what'd you think of a uh, magic man Magic Man, that's a tough fucking song because uh, that's one of those. Uh, we'll have this debate one day on an episode. Uh, who did it better, the cover or the original? Uh, the Wilson sisters from fucking Heart. Mm-hmm. They come hard, dude. And uh, I just recently, I was telling you, I was recently watched a documentary about the 70s, and uh, one of them was uh, the invention of Arena Rock. Uh, you know, you had the showman of, you know, Kiss is a show. You know, Kiss, you know, it's all about stage presence and stuff like that, but Heart. And Fleetwood Mac before Nick Fleet before when it was just Nick Fleetwood and a handful of guys, they played to the back row. Those motherfuckers played loud and played very well and very. Uh, if you listen to Heart, it's very technical for a band like that, you know. Oh yeah. Um, but Magic Man, that's that's one of those songs. That's about fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's a goddamn fact. Uh, but she kind of hits it kind of off the tail end when she hits that chorus part. Mm-hmm. But that other part, because. Uh, 
uh, I can't remember her goddamn name, but the lead singer of Heart, you know, she's whisper telling you about this magic man, this mm-hmm. this this guy that's going to ruin my goddamn life, and I'm going to let it happen. <laughs> but that part it kind of fell short. I felt like, but mm-hmm. other than that, you know, that's still a tough song, and it's the best cover I've heard so far. I, I've not heard a lot of Heart covers that mm-hmm. well. I would agree with that. Uh, I would agree with that. But you need someone like uh, the girl from Florence and the Machine to really knock out with that kind of voice to really knock out something like that and not even that song but like uh barracuda or something like that you know yeah. something, something like really fast and tough no and, and uh i had not listened to any of these uh beforehand because the only other single she had released was a uh, world on fire which i think was an original of hers mm-hmm. and i didn't really dig on it so i just kind of like forgot it was coming out and then yeah when i forget what we were talking about but it made me look up uh dolly parton and yeah i saw all these singles so i was checking it out when you were too and man yeah the the let it be with paul mccartney and ringo star really surprised me like that that's really cool i want i think ringo's playing drums on the track if so that's fucking awesome and uh she's got paul kind of doing like a call and response uh chorus on thing on during when she's like let it be let it be you know he's he's throwing his goofy little backup in it it you know you've made it when you want to do a cover of a Beatles song and you get all the remaining Beatles to do it with you you know you've made it at that point I know she's had probably no problem understanding that she's made it but like if you could ever quantify when someone's made it if you want to do a Beatles song and you get Ringo and Paul to be like yeah I'll do it with you what else what's left and they both came up at the same time that's another thing these people both came up in the music scene from different paths but still came up in it and you know just to probably hear some of the stuff they like hey paul when was the first time you heard dolly parton or hey when did you first hear the beatles you know it's like oh when i first started when they first started you know Uh, and it's like you can almost tell like with the way she was singing let it be probably wasn't the first time she's ever sang that no. line like she sung it to herself in the car and she, ain't, she's done it for something this isn't the first time she's covered rock music before she's done it before uh she uh, there's a black crow song um let your light shine down but she had Whoa. she did her version of it it's a country version it's fun it was i think it was like 2005 2004 i think when that song came out for her yeah um but I remember hearing that I'm like that's a fucking Black Crow song and that's and, and before that it was a fucking Motown song or a fucking blues song from back in the day so hearing covers from certain people who are who, who might be out of their element or are just fans you know right. at the end of the day that's what this is this is you know some fans got together who happened to be in the industry and made a covers album right um, Elton John did that with a bunch of his friends to cover his music there's a mm-hmm. whole Elton John album where uh, it's all covers of Elton John songs by people he likes. Hmm. Uh, the lead singer of Florence the Machine does Tiny Dancer. It is fantastic. She hits it. it it's I, I I have a tough time saying who did it better, him or Elton, her or Elton John. You know, ah, that that's tough. You you you, you, you can't beat the Queen. You got <laughs> Elton's the Queen, man. Yeah, but you got to listen to it too. So like when he's the one producing the whole album, and it's just like, hey guys, play that song, play that fucking shit loud. <laughs> but uh. <laughs> But no, I, I kind of excited to see where else she goes with it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she does cover an Elton John song. I, I mean, the the full track listing's out. I feel like we went through it that one time. I just I don't remember what's all on yeah, it. Um, uh, Queen is on there. Yeah. Um, but 
they did something different with we will rock you and we are the champions so like if you listen to the radio it's always we will rock you comes first and then the tail end is we are the champions because it's a play out right um because she we, flipped it. Yeah, she flipped it. And what she's doing is she just takes the front part of We Will Rock You and puts it at the tail end. Yeah. And doesn't play the whole intro of Brian May with a guitar, mm-hmm. you know, and just basically the whole song. It's, yeah. only, it's only the first, like, two, like, first minute, I think, that's played out at the end. But it's yeah, just, that's it's about sounding, right. I, I was waiting for the guitar bit to come in, but yeah. yeah, it never did. Yeah, but if she had got Brian May to show up, because, you know, he's still got it, <laughs> or at least the fucking bass player, he's still around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is uh, very he, true. He I didn't think about in, that. Uh, he wrote, uh, um, what is it? Uh, I was about to say Dust in the Wind. That's not it. But another <laughs> one bites the dust. You know, he wrote that. And that bass line, boom, boom, boom. Ah. Boom, 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 boom. And it's a, boom, 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 and it's a disco riff. That's all it is. That's yeah. What, it's, it's, boom, a di- boom, it's all a disco boom. riff. Boom, 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 boom. But yeah, that's all it is. And then, mm-hmm. then then you got Freddie Mercury naked into a rock song, and Brian May kicking in. It's a fucking rock song. Steambucks went down the street with a brim pulled way down though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just a little sidetrack to the news before we move on into the news segment. definitely want to get a new news segment thing i I almost kind of want to go like uh that late 90s early 2000s where it's like the and it's like this this is the news you can get like that uh, old uh, old late 90s dateline this is the news this is dateline (laughs) 14 people murdered on the eastern seaboard. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christ. The way to open the game. <laughs> Where's the good news? Oh, that's at the end. <laughs> Where we catch him and electrify his ass. <laughs> a little bit of side news for going on to the rest of it. Uh, Ahsoka does debut next week. Oh, so, shit. That snuck up on us. The, the Star War. Continues. The War of the Star. But yeah, so uh, that's going to be coming out here soon. Um, are you looking forward to Ahsoka? A little bit. Um, I just finished Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Okay. Uh, but I was kind of like half-ass watching it because I had done a bunch of other stuff doing it. <laughs> but uh, with that, you know, I'm kind of hopeful about this you know, just because I think I think this one has a little bit more care to it. Um, and it's been on the, it's been on the back burner. You know, it's it's been on the list for a long time. It really has. And we've been building this character up and building this character up since, you know, on the animated series, Mm -hmm. continued animated series, the book of Boba Fett, you know, Mandalorian. You know, we've been building this character and everybody's so fucking hyped and now we get it and it's like, it's here. All right, let's watch it. I hope it's good. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I, for some reason, I still just have not been. It does sneak up on you though. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I was just like, huh, it is coming out here soon because it's like I'm not hyped for it. I haven't been like extremely excited for a Star Wars release in a I think minute. It's, I think it's because of this past year of the all the hype of all these shows coming out and then kind of not really delivering. You know, kind of it feels like half in the bag sometimes. You yeah. Know, out of all those shows we watched on Disney Plus, you know, two I think kind of stood out. The rest kind of fell by the wayside. So 
of all the Disney Plus shows. Like uh, other than Haw- like Hawkeye and Loki, I can't think of the other ones that really got you know, peaked an in interest up that really met the hype. You know what I'm saying? I, I still I still hold a candle for WandaVision. Yeah, I, I still really enjoy. But that I think one. I think with that one is it, it's so you know another season is not going to come out of that because it's a niche, you know, and it's a, it's just a setup. Yeah, but like there could be another Hawk hawkeye show there could be an, you know we got another season of loki you know these you know have some longevity when you're wandavision i think would have been more fun if it was a mini series instead of just one, a season you know what i'm saying a mini series you know is, is you know five or six episodes about an hour hour and a half long each i think that could have fleshed out a lot more stuff yeah yeah i could see that you know and you know disney's doing on you know disney's doing the old thing of like hey every tuesday at nine you know it's just like <laughs> come and check out wandavision <laughs> yeah. see yeah I, I i don't know though i i figured i was just going to be a little bit more hyped by the time ahsoka came around but who knows maybe it'll wind up being the uh the a second andor of the whole series and it'd be something you know enjoyable but no one pays I, yeah, I've, attention I've never, to you know out of the whole andor thing i never heard anything negative I, I, just, I just didn't watch it i didn't either but like i've never heard nothing negative Mm-mm. i've heard there's fantastic acting there's some very sad moments and like it really pushes some buttons but like i've never heard nothing in the negative no, I hadn't either. That'll be one of those things I kind of watch probably on the summer, like another like winter where things kind of slow down. Um, there is some weird weird news. Okay. Uh, in Peru. Okay. Uh, uh, concerning aliens. Oh, okay. And <laughs> our ongoing alien series. Yeah, Go right ahead. Uh, but no, the uh, Peruvian natives in the jungle were saying that uh, seven foot tall aliens were coming down and snatching people. Uh, but it it was kind of a misunderstanding in a more negative way. It turned out uh, illegal gold miners were snatching people out of the forest. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Damn. So, and the word jetpack got used a couple times, and I'm just like, you're telling me these guys have jetpacks? <laughs> Are we living in the goddamn future now? Like, is it here? We're living in the future. Yeah, living <laughs> in the fucking future, living in the dream. But uh, this is a weird news thing that caught my eye one day, and I was just oh, like, yeah. what in the blue fuck is that? <laughs> Well, this still wouldn't be an episode without an obligatory can pop. Pop the top, brother. Yeah, af- after the other week, uh, I definitely had to go back and pick up uh, more of the Jack Daniels Coca-Cola cans. Those those were fucking amazing. Um, I did find out that uh, the Oppenheimer movie is uh, predicted to be the highest grossing Christopher Nolan movie. Really? That means it beats out two Batman movies. Wow. Impressive. Well, well, at least it wasn't a bomb. <laughs> dude i saw a guy online uh recreate the explosive with a fish tank uh, and a couple of like handmade items like with the uh the effects that he does um uh, he didn't make a bomb okay but, i was about to say i'm like no but no he, he recreated the practical effects that are used in the film using homemade items in a fish tank and he but instead of being the bright orange and reds and stuff it's a clear and then he just changes the tint and contrast into the orange and dude it looked fucking amazing and this motherfucker's got like a magic wand and a goddamn fucking fish tank <laughs> and Christopher Dole's just biting himself in the ass he's like you telling me I could have done this with some crafts oh well same thing with uh, uh Jordan Peele uh I we also watched uh Nope the other night and I still hadn't seen that until the other oh, day that's a wild ass movie yeah but I didn't realize just how much of it was practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. 
And because all because sure as shit, like Facebook watches us and listens to us, it saw that we saw Nope. And within a few days, it served me up this uh, meme of them like showing how they were doing like the lights on the house and everything. And it was like this gigantic gigantic light bulb above this house just to give it that on down effect ominous and scary but i think the only biggest i think the biggest thing was the uh, chimpanzee was the main cgi yeah the biggest expense yeah but that's a wild scene anyway Uh, you you couldn't have done that with a regular fucking ape uh i do i do like some people like you know he has the movie uh us Mm -hmm. uh he has get out get out uh and then he's got nope uh, and someone said, "Well, what does nope mean? You know, us is you know, there's co- there are copies of us. You know, get out. You know, I need to get out of the, break out of this prison. Nope is not of planet Earth. And I didn't catch that until later on when someone told me that. I'm just like, that's clever as fuck because nope is also the standard. Of, nope, <laughs> yeah. about, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, see, yeah, because I, I I was about to answer the question, not mm-hmm. not with the not from you know or, or what did you say." Not of planet Earth. Not of planet Earth, yeah. So I, that is really cool. But I took away the artistic yeah. side of Nope mm-hmm. being sometimes turning the blind eye kills the evil. Yeah. And imagining it's like, you know, I'm still going on with my day. Yeah, well, I'm not fucking with this. Yeah, that's nope. A, that's a that kind of resilience. Goes, yeah, but it's also that that's how you defeat voodoo. Mm-hmm. Voodoo only works if you believe in it. So if you're just like, yeah. No, it's not real. <laughs> and it, it doesn't affect you. I thought it was also an interesting concept of don't look it in the eye. Yeah. Don't look at it. Yeah. Looking at it causes it to attack. It, 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 it gets worse. Yeah. If you just focus on it. If you focus on it. That, you know, Jordan Peele is all about analogy anyway. So it's like in mixing in pop culture, you know, irreverent pop culture, but still. It, it's a wild movie. I think we'll cover that on our list of, you know, horror flicks of 2023 and 2022. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, that that was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And a um, little bit of uh, additional news. Uh, literally a few days after we wrapped up our episode, um, more news came out with Johnny Hardwick. Uh, and it was shown that he did record a little bit of voice acting for the King of the Hill revival series. Um, which kind of gives me a little bit of hope that they might actually do some variation of our fan written script because if we because knowing that we've got a little bit of voice from him that means we'll get an alley scene they can piece together enough to yeah. give us an alley scene so that right there immediately put me at ease after that i don't have to have more dale Throw him in the desert. Let him get abducted. Just just let it happen. Just let it happen. I would be totally fine with that. But no, I, I am really happy to hear that he did get to record at least some lines for the new series. But also kind of use that unfortunate news as a bit of leak news. That means the scripts have been finished. Yeah. That means storyboarding is done. Yeah. And now we've just got to worry about animation. So the series is a little bit further along than we were kind of thinking it was. So that's also kind of exciting to hear. Um, But going back to the SAG after real quick. Yeah. yeah. um, Because that is on pause because of that as well. Yeah. uh, But there are some other things that are on pause in Hollywood, uh, especially for Universal. Um, So nowadays, when you uh, 
decide, when they decide to make a movie, they get distribution rights first. Uh, but Hollywood has slated 500, 500 movies without without guaranteeing distribution. Uh, one of the uh, leaders of the union said, this hasn't happened since the 30s. Uh, and he's like, and that was an issue before my time. And I, I thought back, I'm just like, what happened in the 30s? Oh, propaganda films came out. A lot of propaganda films came out in the 30s. Uh, a lot of anti-communists, uh, a lot of versions of Reefer Madness, uh, a lot of, you know, weird movie-length PSAs and stuff like that. Without, But this was before, you know, distribution for what it was. Um, but a caveat to that is distribution through streaming services. So that, which was non-existent back then, was impossible. Um, but yeah, it's kind of shocking that 500 greenlit items without dedicated distribution has already been rolled out. And see, what, what, what's the point of doing that then? Flood the market. That's how you do it. If you know, if I got if I got a bunch of people who are refusing to work, I can get scabs to make half-ass shit just to hold me tight until uh, you just got to stay afloat. That's all they got to do. Right, but but if it's not having any sort of good guaranteed distribution, where are they getting the float from? No, that's another big thing. Where's the money coming from? Right. So like so, if these, so if they're like using these movies almost as torpedoes anyway, they're not recouping anything. Well, that's, you're 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 going to assume they're not going to recoup anything. You know, after you know, if you foot pipe, you know, shoot five hundred bullets, you're going to hit something. <laughs> you just need to hit it once for like just just look at some of these uh, some of your more indie films. You know during that kind of lull in like movies uh, when you had like saw for the first time that movie cost like 10 bucks to make it <laughs> and those motherfuckers knocked it out and but that kind of that's just one example you have someone like uh, ty west ty west who makes perfect horror movies who doesn't barely spend a dime um and he doesn't go through places like a24 you know your indie stuff he made them himself and so we get cool movies like your next or house of the devil um and those are fantastic films not just a cult following, but money out the ass. Uh, we talked about it, I think, late last year, but the guy who made Skinamarink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, shoestring, I think $2,500 and knocked it out at the Cannes Film Festival. Boom, he's right now. Guess what? He's on streaming right now. Mm. So he's making his money. You know, you're talking, I think, yeah, $25,000. I think it's most he ever he spent. And he begged, borrowed, and stole for that. But like $25,000 yep. to make a movie is fucking dominate the Cannes Film Festival that's pretty fucking impressive it's clerks all over again yeah yeah so I think we're gonna get a lot of those coming out soon uh, I just finished watching uh, some of uh, Dimension 20 uh, recently the newest one with Hank Green um, Mentopolis and it's fantastic and that's the third and that's the third one on this part of the year yep yeah, so like we mentioned uh, the last episode, Sam Rice said that Dropout was resuming production, and of course everyone was thrilled yeah. for that. And yeah, so definitely and they got new episodes of Play It by Ear. They got new episodes of uh, Noise Boy or uh, Noise Boys or whatever the yeah. fuck's called. Make some noise. Make some noise. Yeah. Yeah. So they got new episodes of that. They're doing fine, and those people, oh, yeah. are, those people are getting paid because it's within the contract. They're, they've agreed to the terms. So. So, folks, definitely check out that shit. I mean, it's it's quality, it's high quality, great content. One of the most inexpensive streaming services you can pay for. Yeah, I period. highly recommend watching the website instead of the app because they get more money if you watch it from the website. Got it. Well, they won't be getting that from me. They'll be still getting it through yeah. the app. <laughs> but uh, 
I can't think of much more news we can really cover, but that's honestly fine by me because I feel like our main topic is going to be kind of heavy because it's a... It's finally a movie series I've finally sat down to fully watch. So can you think of anything else that we might want to do? Uh, not offhand, no. No? All right. Well, then, Chris, it's time to find out what your favorite horror movie is mm. when we move on into our main topic. <laughs> The Scream franchise. Fantastic franchise. A franchise that I kind of slept on, but it's really weird because while watching these, I started to remember that, like, I was born in 92. I remember when these movies came out because if I was born in 92, I was five when Scream 2 came out, which meant... I was hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had just turned five by the time Screen Two came out, and I was in the interest of horror. And I remember that fucking mask scaring the shit out of me. I was eight when that movie came out. Yeah, uh, we had a fucking metal fucking Halloween costume that came out like next year. It was the Scream mask, but it had a plastic covering over it. With a little pump. And a little pump, little heart. You pumped it and it pumped a red dye, like uh, water, through the mask and it rained blood. And you had like your little fake knife and that's what I was for that Halloween when I was nine. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, my parents made the mistake of giving it to me like weeks earlier, so I just fuck, kept fucking with it and just kept <laughs> pumping, pumping, pumping until like the mask turned pink. Oh god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like dyed pink because i just kept pumping that fucking heart i was just like how does it work <laughs> no i rem- i have very weird vivid memories of being young and at that point we lived in gaffney south carolina and we would make trips out to spartanburg because that's where westgate mall was and well, the big city was oh yeah and that there they was like a walmart this, <laughs> well, off where the walmart was there was also a best buy and a target and there was a party city over there too a target i had i didn't see a target till i was i think 16 years old oh shit, shit. i never <laughs> saw a target before then i thought they you were had just never been to a target a target man nah. <laughs> and when we would make our way over to the party city i remember distinctly one year all of a sudden seeing those scream masks and the costumes and everything also known as ghost face yes uh definitely leaving a mark on me oh yeah because that was something new or something scary i was seeing it everywhere and for some reason it's when it when i was watching scream 2 is when i started kind of getting like those familiar like ooh, i feel like i remember like seeing trailers for this or like promo material for this movie specifically this was the halloween that i remembered what Ghostface, scream all of it was so, um, did you wind up catching the first one in theaters, or did they, your folks allow you to go see it or any of that? I caught it on VHS when it first came out, because that was the, my video store days. Nice. <laughs> um, no, I remember watching it on VHS first, um, and I was, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, you know, I knew old horror movies as old movies. 
and this was the new thing. Yeah. And watching it, you know, even back then, I was like, this is something different. They're changing something like it, even at nine, 10 years old. I'm not catching all the reference, but I'm catching some. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest ones is uh, the opener of the movie, Drew Barrymore, the Drew Barrymore, uh, sitting there trying to make some popcorn, talking on her on the phone. And he asked her the question, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? He's amped her all the way up to this point. You know, he's been ragging her ass. And she's under stress. She's like, it's Jason. It's fucking Jason. And I knew, even as 10 years old, no, he's not. He doesn't show up till the very end. That's Jason's mama. And that's when he gets her wrong. No, no, it is. You asshole, it is. No, it's his mother. And it's that voice, you know, Mm -hmm. that, 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 that... that whole thing and you know keep in mind this is all loosely based on a true story of the Gainesville Ripper so yeah of Florida so with this one I think because there is no supernatural element from like the you know like the 80s slasher films <laughs> you yep. know in the 70s I think it it hits a little differently and it, it kind of creates its own fandom very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and it's very well earned yeah you know the, the, the first Scream movie is such a fantastic movie because another movie came in around this time just like it. I know what you did last summer. Oh. So these two movies came out around the same time. And you're talking about just hacking and slashing, uh, you know, type movies. Mm-hmm. These these both are fantastic. If you get a chance to rewatch those movies, they, they still hold up a little bit. Yeah. Typo Negative is the opening song. Summer Breeze by Typo Negative yeah. is the opening song to fucking uh, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Well, so you've got that, and then you've got Red Right Hand from Nick Cave that reappears yeah. throughout all the uh, Scream movies, too, which I thought that was only in the latest one at six. When that popped in, I was like, I was nerding out in the theater. I was like, oh, Nick Cave song, Nick Cave song. And then this all of a sudden, I was watching Scream 1, and you hear that ding, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I was like, oh. Oh, that was a callback to the first one. Oh, okay, cool. It's just in the first movie. All of a sudden, it shows up in the second one as a remix. And then the third one. I'm just like, what the fuck? This song is in every fucking version of Scream. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you know these movies come out, you know, there's, you know, hey, what did I miss from the first movie? Did I miss something? They're doing a callback. Well, now I got to go watch the first one, you know, again, and find out what I missed. And yeah. that's that's how you build a franchise like that. Now, let's talk about some of the tropes and the anti-tropes mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, because in every single one of the films, there is the movie buff nerd, the, the, the Morrison of the group, yeah. so will. The, 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 the raconteur. <laughs> yes. The, the one that's giving you the lowdown of, you know, you can't trust your loved ones. Everyone is a suspect. You know, yeah, never say, you know, I'll be right back. You know, he's he's laying down the ground rules. He's And then with each one, it's like, you know, we're in a sequel. We got to follow by sequel rules. And those we're in a trilogy. This is the final chapter. We know what happens in trilogies. You know, the blah, 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 blah. So you got to follow by these rules. Do you feel like that was pushed a little too hard by the third, fourth, and fifth movie? Yeah, yeah it's pulled, it pushed too hard. Uh, but because it's so fascinating in the first and second movie, you know, Jamie Kennedy is he's warning people. He's he's the uh, guy at the gas station. Don't go down that road. Yeah, now, there's there's demons down there. It's just like you shut the fuck up. And but like shut the fuck up, Jamie. Yeah, but like 
he's their friend. At, you know, that's that's the biggest part of it. This is someone within the group that's yeah. telling. This is someone in the scoob in the gang that's like, hey, nah, this is wrong. <laughs> Nev, maybe you shouldn't have sex today. <laughs> because if you have sex, you're going to die. <laughs> and it's a, look at what happened to Rose McGowan. She got killed by a garage door. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but, but, but nothing. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's so weird because watching these, if you go back and watch these movies, all these people are a lot older, a lot older uh, now. And, <laughs> And seeing Nev Campbell through the movies yeah. as she goes forward, it, it it's a strong character, like a Jamie oh, yeah. Lee Curtis. But in the beginning, it's just like, hey, it's that girl from Melrose Place. <laughs> yeah, that's who it is. You know, uh, she hadn't done much up to that point, other than probably I think Wild Things that came out around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got Jamie Kennedy, uh, Nev Campbell, Rose McGowan, uh, David Arquette as the cop. Yes. Uh, Courtney Cox as a plucky reporter, blah, blah, blah. You know, you got people in their prime, right? Kind of yeah. like when we watch older movies with like Denzel or Jim Carrey or something like that. These guys were in their fucking prime. Mm-hmm. They weren't $20 million. And they were just like, hey, I got a job. <laughs> so they did. They acted the fuck out of it. And oh, yeah. And that's what you get out of the first two or three movies. You know, you get people that are really knocking it out because they don't really do anything else. No. A scream is their bread and butter. Uh, and the first three films, you know, are fantastic with yeah. that. Uh, but going into like the story itself, you know, we're given a pretty plain Jane story. Nev Campbell lives with her father. Their mother was killed by a man named Cotton. But we see Cotton, played by Liv Shriver. We don't see him anywhere else. Again, in the whole movie, they knew they were building a franchise right then because it's Liv Shriver. Let's use him again in the second movie. Well, why did you get a? Why did you get Liv Shriver? He's he's pretty popular on that. He's a TV actor. He's like, oh, something. No, no, you you showed me the gun. You got to use it officially, yep. motherfucker. Not in this movie. No, they just break the rules and like, they kind of make fun of him in a fun mm-hmm. and but like in a and not in a negative way, but in a lighthearted way. Especially with Jamie Kennedy's character, like, look at Prom Night. Prom Night. Prom Night is probably one of the dumbest movies when it comes <laughs> to slasher movies because they telegraph who the killer is the whole movie. Yeah, but he's just like, look. Look what happened to Jamie Lee Curtis. He fucked up. Now he's now she's gonna get. She almost gets killed. <laughs> and another thing that I didn't know that honestly kind of made the movie experience a little better for me. I didn't realize that David Arquette and uh, Courtney Cox met on the first Scream movie. Mm-hmm. Were dating by the second. And were married by the third. Yeah. Almost kind of mirror- mirroring their character's progression throughout those yeah. three movies. Yeah. That kind of made their relationship like a little cool, like better, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's just really, it, it adds to the like, dynamism of like the whole, like, behind, I know the behind the scenes now. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you find out later on that, you know, Drew Marymore did this on a fucking favor. Mm. Drew Barrymore did this first movie on the favor. She I th- didn't know those. She said, "I didn't want to be." She didn't want to be the main character. That's what she said. Do me a favor, kill me off. And guess what? Her scene took one day. Hmm. The film. So Drew Barrymore's character, because this is another thing about the first, Drew Barrymore's character in the beginning of the movie. She's part of a group of friends, and it's only said in one line of dialogue. Hey, who killed so and so? 
I don't know, but she's our friend. So when we see the group of friends, Nev Campbell, her boyfriend, Jamie Kennedy, uh, Matthew Illard, Rose McGowan, they're a friend short out the gate, but we only see the five, and mm-hmm. they start slipping off. What what it does is it creates a fake dichotomy of how many people are actually left because Matthew Lillard and Auric, the boyfriend, they're the guys. You know, don't, yeah. I don't want to spoil the movie from 1997. <laughs> like, guess what? These guys did it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And honestly, like, because, you know, we can kind of, because we want to kind of cover all three movies a little bit, and we'll kind of, we'll cover the back six on another yeah. episode. But to kind of jump to the end of that, uh, as I was even telling you, I remembered that um, Shaggy was a uh was one of the killers i had completely forgotten that the boyfriend was yeah i just remembered that there was two so i'm just watching the movie kind of doing the guessing game still not remembering and then when it hit you're like oh fuck so it's like even though i had seen it before i didn't remember it so all these years later they were still able to give me that tiny bit of a twist like it wasn't like a oh wow i didn't see that coming but like a oh Oh shit, that's right. I forgot. Fuck. Oh, damn. And the other thing I love about it is the ending scene. It is pure manic lunacy. Yeah. These guys have fucking lost it. Everyone in that scene played it so well. Matthew Lillard, um, the other guy, I forget his name, are every one of them is playing it just crazy enough just unhinged enough because there's that fine line there's that fine line between goofy and deranged and both of them play deranged so well and what's really fantastic is we find out that oryx character knew who killed her mom the whole time and it's fucking terrible because he's telling this to her why he's, he's basically holding a knife to her throat. Uh, and you, you know, you hit the nail on the head with all deranged. That is so hard to, sh- hard to show in film, pure manic derangedness because there's no, nothing good that you can, you can't fix deranged. You can nope. fix mentally healthy. You, know, you can fix that, but full on deranged. These guys are too far gone. They, they, they just ate the fuck up with it. Yep. A uh, perfect example is when they ate uh, the fuck up with it. That's, that's good. That's, that's, that's what we see. You know, that's a saying, you know, somebody's ate the fuck up with it. But, uh, when he stabs Matthew Lillard, when they're talking about their plan, no, and he's psyching himself up. You know, it's like, you stab me, I'll stab you. And she's like, your guys are fucking crazy. No, we're not crazy. We're making a movie. Yeah, we're doing this. You know, uh, society made us this way, <laughs> bitch. You know, it's, but it's that new age of horror. You know, same with, you know, uh, I know what you did last summer. A good revenge plot. You know, he stabs Matthew Lillard. He gets overzealous and kills him. Plans have changed now. And then he starts waving that fucking knife around all crazy. And then we find out Jamie Kennedy isn't dead. Mm-hmm. He's alive the whole time. They were going to fuck him over and make him the killer. Yep. Oh, my God. I survived. And what a twist. Like, this is a twist that's actually used in a lot of, called the uh, third man. It's an old horror flick. But this is the trope they use. The guy you know is the killer. You know he proved himself not to be the killer. Auric fakes his 
is leaving, mm-hmm. and she's attacked by Matthew Lillard. Yep. And then Matthew Lillard attacks, doesn't attack her, and then Auric attacks her. And so you don't really know because in your mind, it's like a, it's like a, like a investigation movie. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's got to be this fucking guy. Oh no, sorry, Neff Campbell. We, it can't be your boyfriend. He has an alibi. Yeah. We tracked his cell phone or did this or did that. There's no way he could have chased you through your house. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And now she looks bad. You know, now you're doing the little the little farm boy that he caught, he yelled wolf too many times, and now no one's going to believe this bitch. Yep. They played the long game with this girl. And by the second movie, I'm surprised she hasn't killed herself. Honestly, it's like, like doesn't trust a fucking anybody. Talk about fucking resilience, bro. It's like, yeah. So, so like, moving on to the second one. If you're gonna kill me. You gotta be tough. Yeah, it's fucking something, man. No. Um, a quick side note. Uh, I. I saw it, and this part of the thing I was clicking around trying to find again. I can't figure out where I saw the sentence. Uh, oh, here we go. It was one of the highest grossing films of 1996 and became the highest grossing slasher film in the world. Yeah. So that is a huge accolade. And, and directed by Wes Craven. And you got to think about this. The gap between slasher films back then. The 90s was not a big horror decade. The 80s was action mm-hmm. and horror. That dominated. Well, well, honestly, even in the 80s, I think that was more sci-fi horror because you had your aliens and your predator. Well, alien, alien comes out in 1979, the original Alien. Right. But, aliens you know, is not, but like you still have Freddy's still kicking around in 1987. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, you you, know, you're always going to have your outliers, but it just feels like there was a lot more of that sci-fi yeah, well, that was big, horror that was a big of part the of, 80s. That, that, that was when you start mixing genres. But you yeah. still, you know, Jason and Freddy were still kicking ass. Michael Myers was still kicking ass. They weren't good movies. But still, <laughs> they still, were still killing. He was still out there. And, you know, you had your exploitation <laughs> films from the 70s making new movies, you know, your Slumber Party Massacre, you know, yeah. stuff, shit like that. And then all of a sudden, 1989, going into 1990, oh, we're done. We need to, The only other slasher movie I could think of isn't a slasher. It's more of a, a weird-ass fucking sequel, uh, part of a trilogy, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 with Matthew McConaughey with Renee Zellweger. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're basically, going to a little stab. Yeah, yeah. That's basically, like, <laughs> if you watch that movie, it's the weirdest fucking movie ever made of a raid. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> I keep killing, but these limbs keep staying the same age. <laughs> God damn it! Because uh, the dead never age. But uh, and, and but, another but that, and but, another thing that I really liked about not only just the first movie but all three movies is Dave and I talked about this on the last episode of Something Good for You um, because we were discussing the fact that like my girl has been able to kind of get into Beavis and Butthead a little bit, but South Park is still a little beyond. And I think partly with that is, you know, you, me and Dave are all rather similar in age. So it's like, we grew up seeing the progression of South Park into what it is now. And I think that provides part of the enjoyment. When you watch the first scream movie and moving into the rest of them, the social commentary of the movies made me do it. That is something that is still rather relevant to this day. 
but the time in which it came out, it was so poignant because this was also in the middle of the video game scare. Yeah, with Kenneth Starr and all of them coming to Congress. Yes. So there was so much in the media of this content is ruining our children. And for the fact that they created a movie where the killer's motive genuinely was all of these things that Congress feared was very poignant. I I, I got a little different vibe from that. <laughs> I got a thing. It was just like, because he says it in the movie, he's like, horror movies don't make you kill. They make you better at it. Right. So, yeah, that, that's what I got from it was these people wanted to do something bad and they perfected a way to do it by watching slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, creating this false world where these things are actually real mm-hmm. like a topo and it's like let me follow these rules and i could be a successful killer you know a lot of this stems from uh why true crime now you know you know all these people watch a true crime this is making better criminals no people fuck up all the time yeah uh true crime back in the day was so much fucking worse in the 20s and 30s they were actually picking shit off dead bodies so that's a fact so the true crime now is pretty tame you know your girlfriend falling asleep watching a ted dunny documentary is a little tame compared to hey man they found body and clyde they're picking pieces off the motherfuckers i got me a souvenir i got me a pinky got me clyde, body parker's pinky look at him put in a jar of alcohol and give it to my grandchildren it dances it dances put some electricity next year like but it's like even with uh scream 2 um pulling in the idea of a copycat killer yes someone that saw you know was a stab yeah that saw stab the in-universe scream and decided oh well i want to make one of those movies so even tackling head on the idea of well someone might see this movie and since it was based on actual murders well, it's, it's kind of like the snake eating its own tail. Yeah. So the stab movie is a reference to Scream, and their analogy is watching the movie would create other copycat killers. But the underarching thing is what you said earlier. The Scream movie was based on actual murder. So yeah. it's, so it is like the snail, I mean, the uh, snake right. eating its own tail or the, the inception on the inception. It's like, yeah. how many layers of meta are we going to go with this? Yeah, uh, an Ouroboros or, or a Norman Gondor, that's what it's called. Right. Um, but no, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> building onto itself. And mm-hmm. that first movie was, we're making fun of these old horror movies a little bit, you know, talking about pointing out the bullshit, you know, the virgin has to live, you know. No, not this one. Nev Campbell had sex right before she did, and she fucking knocked it out of the park. All right. What are the rules of the sequel? Jamie Kennedy explains it in, in posthumously, because <laughs> apparently he died. Uh, but the opener for this one, A Death in a Theater, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is the, is the victim of all people. Yeah, of all people. Uh, she goes to the movie theater. And the only reason I remember this is because of scary movie. <laughs> and the scary movie movies. Yep. <laughs> those are so per- those are just analogies for Scream. They're so goddamn they're parodies. They're fucking perfect movies. But see, it, it is scary movie also the snake eating its own tail because if Scream is meant to be a bit of a commentary satire on the genre, are we making satire of the satire? It's uh, art imitating life and life imitated art by that point. Yeah. Uh, but like the Wayne's, the Wayne's brothers, you know, 
they're not just parodying that movie. It's so much more. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they perfect it because it's so funny. Because he's the Matthew Lillard and Ulrich character at the mm-hmm. end. It, like, it's so fucking funny. He just stabbed himself. Yes, yes, Cindy. It's all that. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but with that, with that being said, like with this one, it was, hey, because she survived, she was able to tell the authorities what they what the guy said before they died. Mm-hmm. And Cotton is able to be released from prison. Yep. Liv, Shriver, Liv Shriver's character. Um, he had been freed so now it's oh out of vengeance alone he is going to kill Mm. uh and it's a mcguffin yep but it works perfectly uh we get the uh courtney cox character and then we get their characters their versions of people yeah in the stab movies uh parker posey plays courtney cox's character uh and it's not till the third one where it gets really fucking weird with like Carrie Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But with this one, it's like, hey, we're making another stab movie, but we're not pulling it off anything. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. This first stab movie is about you, Cindy. You know, okay, but nothing else happened to me after that, so there's no reason to make a second one. Yep. And then people start getting knocked off. And then we get our whole spiel with Jamie Kennedy kind of making fun of, all right, now. Let's, we're in a sequel now. we got to follow the sequel rules. And what are the rules, you know? And he just lays them out for him. Uh, I don't remember them verbatim. It's been a minute. But uh, he, he basically just says, you know, we're going to be running the game like this the whole time. It's And go, go back to the first movie. The death scenes alone are fucking brutal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, old girl running through the fucking woods, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore, and just getting snatched right before her parents get, come around that corner. Boom, gotcha, bitch. And then the cameraman for Courtney Cox just getting just stabbed to death. Like, it's neck sliced open. Yeah, just wide the fuck open. Um, and also another thing is, Nev Campbell's dad is involved in this. You know, mm-hmm. she, you know, he's a victim too. This whole fucking time, I love the ver- his parody version in scary movie because he's a drug runner and he's just like honey i'm gonna be gone are you gonna see uncle pablo yep (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing too um with the whole life imitating art thing um in the second movie do you think that they went too they, they tried to go too hard with twists to try to make it too different I think they kind of had to mm-hmm. because they kind of telegraphed the whole movie. Right. There's a lot of... Uh, because not not once in that entire movie did I believe that Cotton was gonna, actually going to be the killer. Yeah. But you're also a horror fan. Yeah. So, like, you're... you're so, like, the entire time I'm watching, I'm like, I see how they're trying to make me think it is, but, like, I, I'm even watching this creating my own alibis for yeah. him of why this couldn't be. I mean, you got to look at it, too. It's like, from a director and producer standpoint is I just made one of the highest grossing slasher movies of all time. The people that love this movie aren't horror fans. Yeah. They showed out and they love the twist. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I got to outdo myself. Yeah. I have to, I have to figure something out. Um, and you got to get the same mystery books the same way or mystery, uh, uh, t- television movies. Mm-hmm. 
hey, I got to make the twist even better. I can't pull a Hardy Boys. It's my cousin that I'm <laughs> just now talking about. Uh, <laughs> that I'm only just now bringing up. Yep, yeah, it was him the whole time. <laughs> God damn it, Duggery. And it's just like, who the fuck is this guy? It's just like, uh, it's the MacGuffin they add in the book. Um, but no, I, I think I think it's okay. It it doesn't go ape shit until about four and five yeah uh, four or five really go off the goddamn rails <laughs> well, when it well comes five to... wasn't too bad five was the beginning of the reboot series yeah, the four though four everybody just needs to fucking chill <laughs> so wrap... take away everyone's cell phones it's okay <laughs> so so wrapping up on um uh the uh second movie um trying to get to the gate um mickey winds up his whole reason for doing this is a uh, revenge against sydney for killing billy yes that that's the whole reason for everything you killed my friend now i'm gonna kill you yeah and it's very simple cut and dry and that was a it's not really a twist it's just reality yeah yeah the person most likely to murder you is someone that you help murder mm-hmm. you know like is or a relative of someone you help murder yeah this is a vengeance story all over again yep except this guy's the villain Mm-hmm. He's portrayed as a villain, but if you were to rewrite the movie from his perspective, yeah, Nev Campbell deserves to fucking die because she's a killer. Yeah, <laughs> but she did what she had to do because we right. saw her perspective, and she always keeps that motherfucking thing on her. Yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> especially after that first movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no, I would never leave my motherfucking house <laughs> ever <laughs> if I was her. I'd be a shut in. <laughs> and now uh, going into the third movie, I want to talk about this ongoing plot point, and it wasn't until the third movie did it honestly annoy me. Courtney Cox and David Arquette's plot. Okay. They meet in the first movie. She thinks he's kind of a goof. He eventually proves himself. He he finds some balls, you know, tells her to shut the fuck up and let him do his job. She goes, Oh, okay, manly man, you know, and they, they share a kiss at kiss at the end. I liked where they picked up in the second movie. He was kind of, you know, distant and kind of an ass toward her. And she's like, Why are you being like this? He goes, his simple wit was gave off a Barney Fife, you know, impression. Really? That's what you thought of me? You can go fuck off, Gail. And, like, turns around and walks up. I'm like, yeah, fucking preach, King. You know, I'm like, fucking tell her. And, you know, they eventually reconcile, reconcile by the end of the movie, which was fine. For them to kick the third movie off with Gail doing the exact same shit again that was when i was just like come the fuck on like that was the only moment i went and rolled my eyes the entire franchise because i'm just like really really are we is this just going to be the ongoing joke that like gail learns her lesson at the end of the movie and then by the start of the next movie everyone hates her again because she still wrote the book and called everyone assholes and took the credit for everything like is she never going to not do that spoiler alert no she never doesn't fucking do that in every goddamn movie she does the same shit at the very end no these people don't deserve to have their name in print or you know i'm gonna write a book about it the true hero of the story fast forward to the next movie what the fuck gail you know i had to do it it's all about ratings and money it's like come that was fine the first time let's do something else now i think i think what it was is trying to play off the fact that dewey is a um a glutton for punishment. Yeah. All right. He he he, he bagged he bagged the first girl he was was with, and then he, he stayed with it the whole time. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying he made that mistake. Uh, and she is, you know, 
a mean like a, a genuinely mean person like, yeah he's he's attracted to her but he doesn't under he, he's a glutton for punishment basically you know he's, yeah he, he's gonna let it ride and and forgive her and take her back let him fuck up his life again and take <laughs> her back and everybody kind of forgets something by the end of the second movie his sister is murdered rose mcgowan is his sister in the movie everybody, oh people, yeah he's lost something you know he has skin in the game mm. from the beginning so everybody forgets that part about dewey dewey's sister is literally murdered by these two assholes you're right and he has to live with him and him and nev campbell are closer to each other as characters than any other people in the, in the thing gail she lost the cameraman <laughs> and she treated that guy like shit yeah she treats everyone like shit but like he got treated like shit and when he died she just takes off you know yeah so like well there goes the cameraman no one no one has personal connections to anybody except for dewey and nev mm-hmm. uh, or cindy or whatever yeah yeah but that's just how it is yeah i do love the dynamic with courtney cox and nev campbell which is like <laughs> you just want nev campbell to beat this girl to death with a brick. i did too i just wanted to see her just deck her again and just her put on the mask and just her her donning the mask and it's the fucking the uh what is it uh the empire strikes back dewey what's your favorite scary movie dewey it was me and oh god but no so so moving into um stab of stab three uh scream three um this was I thought this was better than uh, the second one, but from what I was hearing from behind the scenes, this is when the major cracks started forming. Yeah, so in this one, we're going back to a little thing that was so minor from the first movie. Cindy's mom. mom. Cindy's mom was murdered. Why was she murdered? Well, she was having an affair and one of the victims of that affair killed her well why was she having an affair with Liv Shriver's she is a slut well she was an actress first in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and it turns out that she was with a producer who tried to make her a career and then she changed her mind and it didn't sit well so now we have a plot line tracing back to Nev Campbell it's all about you know bloodlines on this one you know and that's usually the title of like the third movie every time it's like blah 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 third three revenge bloodline bloodline yeah hellraiser three bloodlines (laughs) but that's that's what that's what that comes from you know uh i will say this i saw uh, you saw the movie dodgeball right yeah someone took you remember that scene where they come out in gimp outfits they get mistakenly given gimp outfits yeah and it's like a bunch of fog and they're just coming out and they don't they can't really see anything but they're wearing like leather steven roots and like a gimp mask and they come out someone took a screenshot of that put it on a black t-shirt and put hellraiser three bloodlines oh my god <laughs> and i laughed my ass off seeing that shirt no my, my favorite line in the whole thing is uh all right we're gonna go ahead and do practice sir those are wrenches if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> just rip torn, just throwing shit. Um, but uh, so Liv Shiver actually plays a bigger part in this mm-hmm. because he dies. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, the whole idea of Scream Three is the fact that uh, Hollywood is going to be creating what a uh, a stab three, yeah, and, but also a franchise. Yeah, and so it's like now they're wrapping up a whole franchise, and now it's just getting it's meta on meta, yeah. on meta, on meta, because the entire time we're dealing with actors portraying Sydney and Gale and Dewey. While Sydney and Gale and Dewey are showing up to the movie set, and the Gale actress is like, "Oh my God, it's the actual Gale!" Yada yada yada, and like, winds up being like her fucking like shadow yippy puppy the entire yeah, fucking that's, movie. Uh, that's uh, Parker Posey. Yeah, she's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and and a lot of fucking cameos in this movie too, oh, yeah, we like got fucking Jay and Silent Bob, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Um, the weirdest, weirdest uh, cameo from um, Carrie Fisher. So it, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Sydney's mother was uh, in Hollywood. So uh, her and Gail are trying to figure out more information. Gail is uh, scouring the lot, trying to find uh, information on the specific name. The Gail actress is like, well, we're just going to do this. My Gail, my Gail would do this. Gets down there and they run into Carrie Fisher. And they were like, are, are you that what the Star Wars girl? No, that's not me. <laughs> that got to given to some other girls. Whoever was gonna fuck George Lucas got the fucking role, and I wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> it's just like of all weird cameos for Carrie Fisher to do, that's the one. It's not our weirdest cameo, but it's up there. Her <laughs> weirdest one is in uh, Jane Bob, Silent Bob Strike Back as a holy roller yeah i mean i guess because i've always i've been so used to seeing that cameo that's just yeah. like yeah carrie fisher is a nun why not yeah because she's also done in wonderland uh, where uh they go to her house and do coke on her bathroom mirror yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it, there's a lot of like hollywood insider stuff going on in this one until we find out who the bad guy really is yeah uh the director yeah the director who turns out I think to be Cindy's half brother mm-hmm. because he's the bastard son of her, her mom. Yep, and she gave up. That is never mentioned by the mom at all at any point. Uh, yeah, before she died because she's killed too soon. You know, uh, this goes into a lot of you know a lot of three tropes. You mm-hmm. know, the third sequel, like uh, a good version of this, is uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Three, uh, where Jason gets his mask. In part three, but we find out that it wasn't just the counselors that hid the body or hid the fact that Jason died in the lake. It was the townspeople too. So yeah, there there's repercussions on top of repercussions. You know, we're not we're never given the full story, so that's why we have the sequels and stuff like that because we're still going to keep the same cast members for the most part. Our core three: Courtney Cox, Dewey, and Cindy. Yeah, but no, it's just this is how it is. And the fact that Jamie Kennedy had the uh, the the thought, the forethought, the forethought to, to make compendiums to yeah. his weird little uh, video diaries. Yeah, because because uh, in he, case I die, yeah, watch this. Yeah, because he died in the second film, uh, and then now in the third film, they're like they put in this videotape, and he goes, "If you're watching this, I died," which also means we are now in a franchise, which is why you're watching this. Yeah. It's just like, God damn it. Can you imagine if he just got hit by a bus <laughs> and somebody found that? I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And also, uh, awesome opening scene, um, Cotton 
gets it in the opening scene this time because he's a successful talk radio or talk show host uh this uh, what was it um it's like picking cotton or something like that it was was some play on his name that was just like cotton field (laughs) yeah it was just like god damn (laughs) in this one you also find out that nev campbell is a uh works for suicide hotline yeah in the beginning Mm -hmm. i haven't seen this movie in uh, more than a decade i still remember this shit like the back of my motherfucking hand uh, i didn't even bother to look at the cast list i just like i remember all these motherfuckers because it's one of the most surreal fucking movies i've ever watched and seeing that was also a cool bit because as soon as i saw the the subplot of her work for a suicide hotline i was like i know where this is going and it was sure and it's and even though you knew it was gonna happen once it happened it was still that oh shit oh no Oh no! <laughs> but uh, I think I enjoyed uh, the third one a bit better than the second one. Even though by the third one I was getting really tired of Gail going to be good and then she was bad, and then honestly the Jamie Kennedy type character of just like over explaining what's going to be happening. It's just like okay, we're in the third movie. I feel you. Let's well, just get one, on with the it. The third one is fun. It is. That's what. That's why it's so much better. It's a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Because we're look, we're watching these actors get portrayed by other actors, and that's always fun in a movie. A lot of recreations of old scenes. Yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> and like the whole crescendo at the end, where uh, Sydney's having to fight off uh, Ghostface in a re- reproduction of her house. Yeah, so every time she turns the door, the door's not real. Yeah. He just bar- he She's just like, bar- son of a bitch! He just barrels through that motherfucker. <laughs> like, it ain't shit. The car, the, you know, the car's not quite real. <laughs> Even though, since he is the director, he would know what all the real fake doors were. Yeah. <laughs> You're pointing out problems. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that in horror movies, god damn it. You're making waves. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd shut that pretty little mouth of yours if I was you <laughs> Here, before you uh, get yourself hurt. Here, son. Pull yourself a dip. <laughs> pull you some chaw. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's basically a little bit of an overview of the first three movies because we could go super in-depth on them, but I mean, they are just fun slasher films, you know? Yeah, and like, like I said, this came out around the same time as, you know, I know what you did last summer and I still know what you did last summer which was this you know and we and we got those three between the time span of 96 to 2000 yeah um i'm trying to think there was another one uh this is real so scream comes out in 1996 frighteners comes out in 1996 you ever you know what frighteners is uh-uh. uh jamie uh uh what's his name michael j fox mm-hmm. uh can see dead people oh it's yeah really yeah. fucking kind of just wild out but at one point you could see frighteners scream and dust till dawn at the same time in theaters damn the time to be alive <laughs> that's a fucking that's a triple showing right there yeah that's a call it out of work <laughs> shit you probably wouldn't have even had work that day <laughs> you know what in the 90s it wouldn't matter because you could have quit and just walked across the street and got to the job <laughs> Because that's what the 90s were all about. <laughs> oh, the 90s were about free-flowing jobs and... An internet bubble that didn't really exist. And a bunch of murders. Yeah. Oh, and three strikes rules and all these other terrible things. <laughs> Your gold stars. Your gold stars, yeah. 
can't forget your gold stars in school. But no, uh, getting a little bit closer to Halloween time, uh, we'll definitely cover. You got gold stars? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I just got a bunch of red cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a couple gold stars. The teachers didn't like me, though. I did not get gold stars. We had the card system, and uh, we had uh, yellow cards. You had green cards, blue yellow. cards, yellow, uh, brown, red, and then you got a black card. No one ever got a black card. I did twice. Yeah. You got black cards twice. Yeah. Good job. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hey man, Pokemon. Overachiever. Fuck yeah. Pokemon was right, man. I was trying to learn that 151, not trying to learn math. <laughs> I can count, bitch. Can count. <laughs> Look, 151. <laughs> count to 151. That's all I need, baby. Three for Dale. Yeah, from fucking Charmander to Mewtwo. <laughs> But uh, we will definitely be covering the rest of them, uh, getting a little bit closer to Halloween time, uh, especially because uh, by uh, Scream 5 and 6, uh, they change up the whole thing because they bring in kind of a new group of folks. Uh, they make it very clear in the movie that it's called a requel and not a sequel or a reboot or Fuck any it. of that. Why not? <laughs> Uh, they go hardcore in the fucking paint with the uh, references and shit on that one. Yeah, it's a wild show. Yeah. And I still haven't seen number four because number four is not on max. Yeah, number four is weird. <laughs> but I, I did listen to a bunch of YouTubers talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a really fucking weird movie. Dude, they put a fuck, they basically put a buffet out for this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also heard it got like real social commentary. It, it does, but the kills are better. Yeah. And kills in four are so much better. Well, and part of the reason on that is, uh, after I watch movies, I love digging in and just hearing like all the back and forth and inside mm-hmm. dish on it. There was so much studio meddling by the third and fourth movie with like how much blood was allowed to be shown, how long they could stay on a kill scene, all that stuff. And that's part of the reason the, the two new movies have been kind of visceral mm-hmm. because those kind of enforcements aren't there anymore. It's just rating code. Yeah. It's just stay within your rating. Yeah. After, but so the new movies have been a lot bloodier and a lot more graphic when it comes to the kills. So yeah. it's it's a new era of Scream. And I don't know why I didn't jump on the train before all this, but my girl turned me on to it. She's like, you've got to watch the movies. I'm like, okay, fine. After watching that first one, I was like, so we're watching the second one tomorrow, right? <laughs> well, you know, that kind, of, that kind of goes into what Scream really does. It attracts people who aren't big horror fans. Right. You know, like Rachel doesn't seem the kind of person who's a big horror fan, but she likes those. So yeah. In 1996, there weren't a lot of slashers coming out, but there were people that want to know what they were about. Like, mm-hmm. this is our generation, you know, kind of like when yeah. it comes to music. Oh, my parents listen to that. I want to listen to this. So, yeah, now you got a more contemporary thing, and it's drawn in a lot of people, and that's why it's the number one slasher movie of all mm-hmm. time. Um, and you got someone like Wes Craven behind the helm, you know? Yeah. So it's like, he knows what he's fucking doing. He's only he, made, he, he might have done a couple of things throughout his there, career. Here and there. I heard the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies are all right. All right. For, first yeah. couple. That years. second one's gay as fuck, though. <laughs> According to one Morrison. Yeah. The gayest <laughs> horror movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Literally, it's the gayest one. <laughs> you're not even being mean. You're just stating a fact. I'm stating a fact. <laughs> An unequivocal and undeniable fact. It is the most homosexually charged horror movie. Yeah, yeah they really homosexualed it up. <laughs> Good job. Now, now you're getting podcast ready. Now you're getting radio ready. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you another thing. <laughs> All right. Well, before this... <laughs> 
Even more goddamn thing. <laughs> but no, guys, if you have enjoyed this, uh, especially with uh, Halloween coming up, if you guys have any sort of uh, horror or Halloween themed uh, topics we should cover on Couch Potatoes, definitely let us know. Uh, if there's a specific cryptid, cult, or conspiracy we should go down, let us know. I definitely feel that uh, we're probably due for another Aliens episode. On cryptic conspiracy, considering Very all soon. the recent news, so I'm sure that'll be coming down the way. Uh, Wes even provided us a new clip in the Discord for us to discuss when it comes to alien things, because Dave and I got in a very spirited debate on something good for you when does it he comes believe to in aliens. Yes, he does. Cool. Uh, check out the episode. I think you would enjoy it. Um, I, I listen to enough stuff. <laughs> well, at least check out that portion. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. But uh, but no, we, we get into a very spirited, uh, heated debate over it all. So uh, it, just, it, it just devolves into no man. Camecocks won the goddamn series. <laughs> it, it, it 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 did devolve at a certain point that's for always, a minute but that's always fun <laughs> because uh according to him i'm being too hard on one specific person when i i listened to it i know what i said i could hear it i wasn't saying that <laughs> i was talking about a generality using him as a basis what do you know you think the earth is fucking round conspiracies <sighs> globalist well i still think the phone calls calling from coming from inside the house always coming inside the house that and that's where we disagreed so that, that that's where it gets big on that so if you guys want a little bit of a ridiculous alien conversation check out the latest something good for you episode 139 uh but yeah if you have any other suggestion for us leave us leave it in the uh discord sign on up we've gotten a few more new members welcome hang out enjoy yourselves uh there's some tea off in the corner and the brownies will be out of the oven in a few minutes uh but until then uh, for this episode of the Couch Brotatoes, I've been Alex and Chris. Do you have any sort of final thoughts for us? Everybody get you about 25 bucks. Spend, spend it on Max, Paramount, Showtime. Watch these fucking movies before they get taken off the goddamn streaming service. Get them while they last. It's a fucking fire sale out there. <laughs> and horror movies are really knocking it out for your 2023. It's a, it's a fire sale out there. Come on down to Hawaii. Come on down. You've been listening to the Something Good Network. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on Instagram, and check out the other great shows on the network. Link is in the episode description.